on accident? Okay, I did that recently. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to read a couple of verses here. And uh, I'll be honest with you, the subject matter is one that um, I have been thinking about for a while, and I, I kind of assumed, and, and I, I, I think I've been proven right so far this morning, um, that there would be a little bit of pushback spiritually, not necessarily from anyone in here, uh, but more so uh, from the devil. Now, now look, you, I, I'm not the guy that believes because you stub your toe, the devil is out to get you, okay? I've met people like that, you know, the, the, gas, the, price, of the, de- the price of gas is the devil, you know, and the, you know, the bad burger that made me sick was the devil, and, the, you know, the 20th donut I ate and I gained 10 pounds, that was the devil. No, you just need to quit eating donuts, right? Uh, and, well, you understand what I'm saying? Like, that, that's not where I'm at, but I will say this, uh, he is real. And he does want to stop what God is doing in your life. And uh, one of the things that he uses is your own mind. And I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, we'll start in verse number 1. Now I, bes- uh, now I Paul, be- myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I, I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to talk to you about overcoming your strongholds. And uh, the reality is everyone's got them. Some of them are hidden. And if you don't address them, they don't just go away. And so I hope this message is a blessing to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of your presence. Lord, we thank you for the promise of eternal security. Lord, we thank you for... Lord, uh, all of your precious promises that we find in this book and in your words. And God, thank you for not just saving us, and, but, but furthermore, God, you didn't just leave us to ourselves. God, you, you gave us instruction, Lord. You gave us your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us in all truth. And Lord, I pray that this morning you would help us to remove the distractions of the mind, Lord, the, the things that, that have our minds everywhere else right now. God, help us to focus on your word. And Lord, I do pray if there's anybody here that isn't saved, Lord, that, Lord, that they might understand that maybe the greatest stronghold in their life is their own religion that's keeping them from salvation. And God, I pray for every believer in here, Lord, that you might speak to them. God, I pray that you would help us not to, not to walk out of here the same way that we came in. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your guidance. Lord, thank you for being who you are in our lives. I ask your blessing on this, Lord. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit of God and fill those that are listening. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let, me, let me give you the definition of a stronghold. It is a, a fort or a fortified place 
or a place of security. Now, when he says that you can pull down strongholds, you're in your mind, when you think about the definition of a, a stronghold being a place of security, why would Paul want you to pull down a place of security? Why would Paul want you to say, hey, look, uh, we, have, we have spiritual warfare. It's not physical. Oftentimes, as Christians, you, you see the problem around you as people, and you go, they're the problem, and that person's the problem. My, my wife's the problem. My husband's the problem. The kids are the problem. And really what you're fighting is something spiritual in nature, and you can't see it. And if you don't get into the Word of God and you don't grow as a believer, you won't have spiritual discernment to understand what you're dealing with is not in the natural realm. I can tell you this much. There are times when, man, everything's just going easy. Everything's fine. You start talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You start talking about things in the word of God that deal with our issues. And all of a sudden, stuff just starts coming up the surface. And you go, man, what is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The devil doesn't want you to move forward for Jesus Christ. He wants you to stay stuck where you're at. He wants you to stay in that stronghold when the Lord is saying, you can pull that thing down. But Lord, why would I want to pull it down? It's a place of security. That's the problem. It's a false security. It's not God. It's a stronghold. It's it's a place in your life where you run to when you think you need something. But what you're running to isn't God. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, over in the Old Testament, I'm not going to have you turn there right now, but in, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, David was anointed to reign, and yet he was anointed, but there were still battles in front of him. You know what that tells me? Just because you're saved, and just because you're living right, and just because you're filled with the Spirit, it doesn't mean there aren't battles you're going to face whenever you live the Christian life. And I've heard people say this, man, the Christian life is hard. Can I say this? It's a lot harder to be lost. It's a lot harder not knowing where you're going yet. It's a lot harder not knowing who God is. That was way harder back there. But yes, the Christian life is hard. Salvation is easy. Living the Christian life is hard. That's why the Bible says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. David is anointed to be king, and yet David goes and he, he sees the city of Jerusalem that will eventually be known as the city of David. And and there's a group of people called the Jebusites, and that's another message for another time. But there they are dwelling in that land. And and David goes, we're going to come, and we're going to take that land. And they say, you know what? You're not coming unless you take down our stronghold. And David says, challenge accepted. And you know what David does? David goes in there, and he beats that stronghold down, and he goes in that place where those people fled. It was a place of false security for them. You know what they said? As long as we can all get to the stronghold, we'll all be safe. And they weren't safe. And you know what? That's how you live the Christian life sometimes. You go, as long as I can get to this place, I'll be all right. You know what? That place, if it's not God, if God isn't your refuge, if it's some other habit, or some other person, or some other thought pattern in your life. Can I just say this right now? It's a stronghold that you think is there for your good, but it's actually keeping you in prison. Can can I say it like this? We know where the world is headed. We know eventually the Antichrist is going to come, and the whole world is going to get together. And do you understand what the Bible says to us in prophecy, uh, throughout the the prophets, and, and even in the book of Revelation? It'll be a whole lot easier to destroy a bunch of people at one time when they're gathered in one place. Do you understand that? That's what the Antichrist wants to do by getting the whole world together. And you know what the devil wants to do in your life? He wants to convince you that the things that you have, that you're addicted to, that you won't let go of, that you have to have them and you don't. There's strongholds in your life. 
It's a fort. It's a place where you think it's safe. But you know what eventually David did? He called that the city of David. You know what that tells me? David's a picture of Jesus Christ. You know what, David? You know what Jesus wants to You know what the Lord wants to do in your life? He wants to beat some of those places down and change the name of them in your life. He wants to say, well, you know what? You've been, you've been held captive by this thing for years and years and years and years. And you know what? It's time to break free from that. But in order for that to happen, you've got to let me do my work. We've got to tear this thing down. You know, I know it's really easy for me to point out your stronghold. It's hard for me to see mine. I can look at you and go, oh, yeah, brother so-and-so. They've got a problem with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister so-and-so, oh, I know what her issue is. But when it comes to mine, it's kind of like, yeah, but you just don't understand. And I was raised this way. And, and you know, I mean, I mean, my parents did this. And, and so I do this. And it's kind of in my genes. And it's my personality. Can I say this? None of those things will line up. None of those things will measure up to the word of God. And what God, they don't line up against truth very well. You know what truth says? Those strongholds are there because you put them there. Because you allowed them. Because you built them. Lot's trying to get out of Dodge there when Sodom is going to be overthrown and God's going to destroy Sodom. You know what Lot does? He lingers. And he just kept, the Bible says, while he lingered, Genesis chapter 19. Let me ask you a question. If God, if God showed up with some angels and was like, hey, I'm going to rain fireballs down from heaven on this city. I'm going to rain fireballs down from Aurora. You get to Parker, you're good. Just don't stay in Aurora. Would you be like, huh, what am I forgetting from the house? Uh, um, hey guys, you, oh my gosh, that show is on. Let's watch that for a little bit. We can go later. I mean, you, are you out of your mind? Fireballs are going to come down from heaven. Get out of Dodge. You know what Lot does? He lingers. You know, a lot of us do something. When God says, hey, there's this thing in your life, it needs to go. It's just, it's choking the word of God out. It's not allowing God, my, me to do what I want to do in your life. And you know what some of you do? You know what I've done before? I'll get to that, Lord, later. Just kind of linger in that stronghold. It's not helping you at all. You know what a stronghold is? It's a refuge. It's a fort. It's a place to hide away. It's a safe space. You know what the Lord wants to be in your life? He wants to be that. You know what David says about God? He calls him my high tower. He calls the Lord my refuge. Uh, my, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge. You know what God wants to be? God wants to be your stronghold. And the problem is this. When there's a stronghold in your life, there is something that is holding on to you more than it is that you're holding on to it. And that thing is choking the word of God and it's keeping you from growing and it's keeping you from moving forward for Jesus Christ. You know what the problem is? The problem is you have put something in the place where God belongs. Because God is supposed to be your refuge. God is supposed to be your tower. And you know what you say? I, Lord, you know what, God? I, yes, you're my tower, you're my refuge, but I, I have to have this to cope. I have to have this to deal. I have to have this. And listen, you're, everyone's got different ones. If I start listing them, I'll probably miss yours. I don't want to do that. But the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you right now about things in your life that you're addicted to, that you won't let go of. And you know what you say? It's no big deal. I can quit when I Then why don't you quit? You know why you don't quit? Because it's a stronghold in your life. Do you know why you keep holding on to it? Because you're convinced you have to have it and you don't. By virtue of what it is. You know what it is? It's idolatry. We don't like to call it that. But that's what it is. It's you making something that you feel 
You have to have the way you should have God. When you're angry, when you're under pressure, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll go, you know what, I just need some tunes to settle my feelings a little bit. Some of the tunes, they're not all bad, but you know some of them just don't, they take you to a place in your mind you shouldn't be. You know, for some of you, it's like, you know what? I'm having problems with my wife, so I'm going to go talk to this woman. <laughs> You're an insane. Yeah. Some of you ladies, I'm having problems with my husband. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get attention from a man. Because this is how you've lived your whole life. And God is saying, this is a stronghold in your life. You need to let it go. Some of you, whenever there's pressure, it's like, man, I just got to get one more drink and I'll, I'll stop after that. And it's never enough. You know why? Because that thing in your life is where you go when you're under pressure. That's where you go when you should be going to God. And you go, man, why, why aren't things moving forward in the Christian life? Why am I not getting out of the Christian life? Why is it these kids go to camp and they come back all fired up and I'm kind of like an old curmudgeon? I look like the old man from Up, that old Disney cartoon. I, I'm sitting there and I just kind of look like crusty and, and I, I don't want to talk to anyone about Jesus. And I, I kind of look at them like, what's your problem? Why are you so excited? I'll tell you why some of that is. Some of it is this. You got strongholds in your life you're not addressing. And you're just hoping that in time they'll work themselves out. And they don't usually. Look at Exodus chapter 32. Can I suggest this? If you've got a stronghold in your life, it's because you built it. One brick at a time. Exodus chapter 32. You see what's going on here? Oh, I love this passage. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, honestly. You say, why? Because it, it just, it, it feels like what a lot of people describe the issues of their life like. Yeah, as a pastor, you talk to people and you deal with things and you hear things and you hear stories. And, and oftentimes, whenever you're dealing with your issues, it's kind of like, I don't even know how this happened. I don't know where it came from. I have no idea how it showed up, you know? kind of feel that way about kids sometimes. I don't know where they came from. I don't know how they showed up. They keep coming back for more food, amen? But look, look at Exodus chapter 32, and, and Moses has just come off the mountain. Moses has had revival. He's met with God. He's excited. He is literally shining. He's beaming. You know, he's coming down the mountain with the, you know, the tablets in his hand. And I'm not, I don't mean like iPad tablets, okay, kids? I mean like stone tablets, right? He's coming down with those stone tablets, and he's just excited to be saved. He's excited to walk with God. and He's just ready to tell the people of God what God showed him on that mountain. And then he gets down, and he starts hearing, no, 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 no. No, 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 because you don't know what we're saying. We're nirvana. Dun, 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 dun. Right? And he starts hearing, he goes, wait a minute, this doesn't sound like hymns. When I left, they were singing glory to his name. Glory. And now they're doing something. What is going on? And Joshua's like, there's a battle. And Moses like, you idiot. There's not a battle. They're partying. Then he gets down there and he's like, oh my, I left for just a couple weeks, guys. I was, I was on a retreat talking with God. Couldn't you guys have church without going the way that you did? And he gets down and he sees this giant golden calf. So what does Moses do? Moses is a leader and by virtue of being a leader, he goes to his assistant pastor. He goes to his brother Aaron. He goes, hey man, what, what's the deal? I was only gone for a couple weeks. Like, I get if, like, you know, sister so-and-so had a, had a spat with this lady. Now, I understand if someone sat in that person's chair and they had an argument. And I get if someone parked in someone's parking spot and they, they want to leave the church. I get that, but do we have to go this far? 
Look at Aaron's response. Look, if you would, at verse 21. Moses said unto Aaron, (laughs) I love this. What did they do to you, man? What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Now, you may not know King James English, but you know what he's saying there. You're like, chill out, cool down, brother. Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. All right, thou knowest the people. You know these people. Man, can't, you've been, they're awful, man. I mean, you, you, their heart is set on mischief. Look, look what it says here. For they said to me, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not, we don't know what's become of him. And I said to them, whosoever hath any gold, let them break it up. Like, first off, this is where you slap Aaron and go, that's where you should have stopped. But he didn't. Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it me. Now watch this. This is great. Took the gold. Threw it in the fire. And out came this calf. It's a mystery. I don't know how it came out like that. Maybe it was the Lord. No, no, no. It wasn't the Lord. It was you. And you don't want to take ownership of what's come out of your fire in your life. And you want to act like, I don't know how this thing got here. Lord, I don't know what happened. I hear this all the time. Some preacher that everybody knows gets into some kind of big sin. Everybody goes, man, he was doing great. And I don't know what happened. It was like it happened overnight. Nothing happens overnight. Everything is gradual in your life. And listen, there's only one thing that happens overnight. That's getting saved. And even then, there are oftentimes years or so in praying and plowing behind the scenes. But in your life, you know what happens instantly? Getting saved. Outside of that, everything else is gradual in your life. Strongholds get there because we make them. Can can I give you some things to think about? I want you, number one, to understand the source of strongholds. They come from within. Paul says this, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Look at Romans chapter 12. I know most of you could quote this, but go to Romans 12. The source of strongholds. Well, it's internal, but it works its way out. You you have to understand where the thing comes from to deal with it, though. Does that make sense? Listen, um, the, the Spanish flu, the West Nile virus, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, these are things that are named after places from which they were derived for the most part. All right, that doesn't mean that you can fix the problem by knowing where it came from, but at least when you hear that name, you go, okay, I know the source. I know where this started. You need to at least in your life as a believer go, you know what? I need to understand the source of strongholds in my life. And can I give you a clue? It's not someone next to you. It comes from within. And eventually it works its way out. I look at Romans chapter 12, and you understand that he, he beseeches them in verse 1 to present their bodies a living sacrifice. But look at verse number 2. He says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be what? By the renewing of your what? You know what the issue is this morning? The issue is not everything out there. You could fix all the political issues. You could get America back on track, and you would still be you. Do you understand? You have things inside of you that need to be dealt with the right way. And this is where a lot of the issues take place. That's why he says you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
Because there are things that go on up here that are not truth, they're not biblical, they're not right. And after a while, you think about something, and you think of that thing, and you think of that thing, and you think of that thing, and before long, you start to believe that thing. Then you start to build upon that thing, and before you know it, you've got habits that are coming out of your life, that are part of your life. You're going, man, where'd this come from? It started right here, and it works its way out. The chains of habit are generally too small to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. I heard this, bad habits are like a comfortable bed. They're easy to get into and hard to get out of. Anybody have a hard time getting out of bed this morning? Amen. Some of you are like, yeah, we'll show it right now, preacher. You know what the devil wants? He wants to get you into some things that you're going to have a hard time getting out of. The first time the word imagination shows up in your Bible, he says, Paul says, casting down imaginations. The first time the word imagination shows up in your Bible, it's in Genesis 6, where, where God says that man's imaginations were, were only evil The imaginations of his heart were only evil continually. You know what that shows me? Throughout the the rest of the Bible, most of the references to imaginations are not good. I I know we tell kids, you ought to have a good imagination and, you know, read more books and and, and don't just zombie yourself out with games and all that kind of stuff. I I know what you mean by that, but, but biblically the word imagination is usually something that is crafted in the mind that goes against God. Why? Because the root word of imagination, you know what it is? Image. Do you know what a stronghold is in your life? It's something that you have accepted in your mind as truth that is not truth, that is an image of what truth is that replaces the image of God in your mind. And before you know it, what that does is that representation, that that similitude, that, that statue in the mind, that likeness of what God is when it really isn't God. For the children of Israel, it was a calf. And you look at that and you laugh. You go, what a bunch of dumb people. Why would you worship a golden cow? You know, you know, worship, you know, a chicken, Chick-fil-A. That would be more biblical. <laughs> you know, we got friends from Alaska here right now. And I said, you guys know, so you guys have uh, Chick-fil-A in Alaska? And they're like, no, we already went today, though. <laughs> you see, uh, so you get off, you get out, you go away from Alaska. You can find a place with Chick-fil-A. You go there. You say, why? It's in the Bible. It's in the original somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but here they have this golden calf. And you look at it, you go, what a bunch of idiots. Why would they do that? I mean, why would you worship a cow? Why do you worship your job? Why do you worship family? Why do you you worship some of the habits in your life and give more to them than you do to the Lord? Why are you giving in to some things? Why are you going back to some things that you know are not going to help you? David says it like this in Psalms 115, somewhere in there. He says, eyes have they, but they see not. Mouths have they, but they speak not. Ears have they, but they hear. Noses have they, but they smell not. In other words, he's talking about the gods that man creates, and those gods aren't real. They don't do anything for you. They just give you this false sense of security. And and you know what? It's a different false sense of security for a different person. But if it's there, it's a stronghold. It's one worthy of looking at. See what happens. You have thoughts. Those thoughts become words. Those words become habits. Those habits become strongholds, and those strongholds determine your character. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to run through some verses on the mind. Ephesians 4. You know where most of the battles takes place spiritually in your life? It's in your head. It's in your heart. It's in the center of who you are. It's the center of what, what makes you tick and, and how you look at things and, 
and you can, you, can, you can make something in your mind that's completely fabricated, that isn't real. I mean, I, 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 I literally have watched this take place. I've watched someone come into church, and someone says, man, it's good to see you. You know, and they go, what do you mean by that? It's like, uh, it was good to, let me run through the can, good to see you. <laughs> but in their mind, you know what they thought? I don't know, they don't like me, and I wasn't here for two weeks, and they're judging me, and they're thinking about me. No one's thinking about you, because we're all busy thinking about ourselves. <laughs> we're just as selfish as you are. <laughs> but you build this thing in your mind that isn't even real. Ephesians chapter 4, look if you would at verse number 22. That you put off. You know, some of you, thankfully, you showered before you came to church today. Hallelujah. You know what you did? You put off your stank. Amen? You put that off and you put something else on. Hallelujah. My boys now know whenever, whenever they're going on a trip with grandma, they grab the pomade and they grab the, 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 the cologne because I do one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit because I tell them, you're not going to stink unless you really work hard at it, all right? <laughs> Listen, you, you should put some things off in your life, but you don't put them off just to put them off. You put them off so you can put some things on. Right. Look what it says here. You, you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the seedful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Paul thought it necessary under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. You go, Pastor, this kind of feels a bit more like a Bible study. Well, bear with me. We'll take off in a little bit. Philippians chapter 4. But as you turn there, can I say this? Let the mind of the master. You know who the master should be? Jesus Christ. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse number eight. Some of you want peace, but you don't want to get it God's way. It doesn't work the way you're going to do it. It just isn't. You going back to those strongholds over and over and over and over. Honestly, I'm sorry, but is, you know what it reminds you of? And I try. And I try. I can't get. No. You know what that is? That's the world. They're trying and they're trying. And even believers do that after they get saved. Keep going back to the old pig slop. That stuff didn't help you when you were lost. It surely isn't going to help you now that you're saved. But, 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 but you go there, you say, why? Because I'm looking for peace. And look what it says in verse 7. And the peace of God which passes the all understanding shall keep your hearts and what? But how does that happen? Look at verse 8. Here's how it happens. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Is it true? Does it line up with the word of God? Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Boy, you could knock down a bunch of strongholds by getting the junk out of your mind, the stuff that isn't pure. Let me ask you this. If a thought bubble arose with the stuff you're thinking about and Jesus Christ was standing right next to you and he could see that thought bubble, would you feel a little awkward? Then don't think about it. What do you mean don't think? I mean don't think about it. You realize you have a choice on what you think about? We live in a world of victims where everything's just happening and I have no choice and, and my parents raised me. Listen, just because you were raised with something doesn't mean you need to keep perpetuating it over. Guess what? We were all raised in sin. Amen. Some worse than others, but all raised in, all born into sin, all raised in sin. That is not a license for you to continue to go back to your strongholds. Amen. What sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are of good report? If there be any virtue. Does God have to go into your mind with a spotlight and go, I'm looking for virtue. Virtue. Virtue, if you're in here anywhere. 
if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Now watch this last part of the verse. This is why a lot of people miss that the spiritual warfare is a choice. You can either be a passive instrument where things go downhill, or you can grab the word of God and go into your mind and go, you know what? You don't belong here anymore. Because he said this, think on these things. That tells me I've got a choice. I don't have to think about the stuff that I thought about before. I don't have to look at the things I was looking at before. I don't have to listen to the things I was listening to before. The voices in my mind that are saying things that are against God, I don't have to listen to that. Some of you are like, what kind of voices are you hearing, preacher? You know what I'm talking about. The old cartoon with a little angel, little devil pops up. You've got that all the time in your life, and you're choosing what you listen to. And by thinking on the things that God doesn't want you to think about, you can make a mess. You can build a stronghold. Some of you may remember the story of Amnon in the Old Testament, the young man that rapes his half-sister Tamar. You go, how does it end that way? Well, I'll tell you where it starts. It starts with a friendship that he shouldn't have entertained. And then listening to things from that friend he shouldn't have listened to. And then, and then it goes to here, and this is where you get in trouble. Thinking on those things he shouldn't have listened to. Because the Bible says, l- l- let me just read this to you. Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything underwear. Okay, time out. You may go, well, that, that sounds good. He thought it, it, he, he shouldn't do it. That's what he said. Yeah, but why was he thinking about it? You know why he was thinking about it? Because he didn't want to let it go. If I could just get that girl, then I'd be okay. And you, you tell yourself, if I could just get that thing, then I'll be okay. And that thing isn't God. You know what it says over in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant? They, they said, it, it shall save us. There's no it that can save you. <laughs> it's him or it's something you've made. Watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, becomes your destiny. I was talking with someone recently about absolute truth in the gospel and and this person said well i think well i think and and i think and i think and 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 literally literally and i'm not saying this in a judgmental mean fashion i'm just saying this is the reality the reality is this this person was thinking their way to hell i create a stronghold in my mind i create an idea an image of what religion is of what truth is it's not scriptural it's not right but you know what that's what i think And can I say it's the source of the strongholds in your life, the bitterness, the envy, the lust, the anger, the things that have a grip on you that are choking the word of God, those are things that you have thought about and thought about and thought about and you have not cast them down when they come into your mind. And they get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and sooner you go, you know what? When I'm upset, I run here. When I'm envious, I run here. When I'm bitter, I run here. Whenever I'm full with lust and I I don't want to control my flesh, I run here. And you know what that does to you? It makes you weaker every time you go. But in that moment, it feels safe, doesn't it? It feels like a place of security, like a fort. It is. It is a fort. But it's one the devil's trapping you in. And it starts in your mind. Can I show you something? Look, look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me show you something real quick. Can I be kind of transparent with you as a preacher? One of the hardest things I 
One of the hardest things to watch is to watch a Christian kind of go in slow motion off a cliff. And if I could, if I could stop it, if I could, if I could say no more, I'd do, I, I can't. Something you've got to do. Look, if you would, at verse 4. I want you to notice the end of the verse. It says, mighty through God to the pulling down. But I want you to look at verse 5. It says, casting down. You know, what, you know what I believe? I believe the reason why strongholds are created, we have to pull down. Think of it like throwing a rope up at the top of a tower and trying it with all your might to pull that thing down. But you know what casting down is? Casting down is me going... You know why? Because it's just a thought right there. It's just an imagination. I can just cast it down. When that thing grows and grows and grows, now I'm going, how do I scale that thing? You know what you have a choice to do this morning, this afternoon? You have a choice to say, you know what? I'm going to cast some things down so that I don't have to, in 20 years, pull them down. The strength of strongholds. It's clearly in the name itself. It's a stronghold. You say, where's the strength found? Oh, it's found in deceiving power. It's found in disabling power. It's found in destroying power. Go with me to Proverbs 23. And I want you to understand, Proverbs 23 is not the only definitive passage on a stronghold, but what a great illustration. One that I thought really exemplifies what a stronghold is in somebody's life. Proverbs 23 I have people all the time say, Pastor, is it okay to do X? Well, can I ask you something? Don't you ever want to get to a place in the Christian life where you're not asking, is it okay to? And you start asking, how can I use this to help somebody else? That's the sign of a maturing believer. The sign of a selfish, carnal believer is, why can't I do this? It's like a petulant child that's been told no by their parents, and all they do is go, I just, but I want it, but I want it, but I want it. Why can't, why, I just think you're being a legalist. I don't see what about, why don't, and just say, stop what you're doing and think about, is this what I'm doing and what I'm going in my life and what I'm putting in my head and, and what I'm building in my life, is that going to help others or is it going to hurt them? Yeah. Proverbs 23, look if you would at verse number 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contention? Some of you are like, I know, a married man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not where this is going, all right? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the, at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look at his recommendation. He says, don't even look at it, verse 31. Now, now you say, what, why? Because there's this escalation. It starts with a look, and it becomes a thought. Then it becomes an action. Then it becomes a habit. Look at verse 32. At the last, it biteth like a serpent. It stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. And let me just stop right now. If you don't have a problem with drinking, you know what some of you are doing right now? Good, good thing I don't have that problem. Yeah, but you've got something. And you've got something that gets you to a place where you feel like you are out of control. And at the end of all of it, even though God himself will tell you it's wrong, you know what you'll say? You'll say the same thing this lust says. Look at verse 35 at the end. I will seek it yet again. Why? Because it's my stronghold. You know what the strength of a stronghold is? It has you coming back over 
and over and over and over and knowing how the story ends and you go back anyways. It's like I've said a million times before about reading the story of Samson in the book of Judges. When you read that, you're like, this time it's going to be different. This time he's not going to be an idiot. This time Samson's not. Samson, she's a bad girl. Run. Right? And yet it ends the same way every time. You say, oh, that's terrible. It's not different from us. On our back porch, we've got, you know, uh, I've, we've got these little birds, and every year they make a nest. And, and, and they make this nest, and, and my kids love it because they love little baby anything. It could be a baby worm, and they, oh. <laughs> One time, Bella was, uh, Emma was like, isn't it so cute? And she put it on the ground, I was like, smash, you know. <laughs> oh, Dad, that's terrible. Some of you are like, you're an awful man. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> these birds come in, they build, they build these nests. Every spring, the same thing happens. And you know what's interesting? I let them build their nest there, rent-free. <laughs> I don't charge them anything. And every year they come back, and they build their nest. And the part that kind of bugs me sometimes is sometimes I go out on my porch to enjoy the sunrise, read my Bible, have a cup of coffee, and they're looking at me, and they're squawking like, why are you here? Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> it's their way to tweet at me. You know, they're just throwing out all kinds of things, and and they're looking at me like, what are you doing here? I'm like, dude, this is my house. <laughs> you built a nest here because I said you could. You know what I could have done? I could have taken a broom and busted that thing up. And I got to be honest with you. You know what I did? I did it once. I did. I confess I did it once. <laughs> and then when they came back the second time, it was like the Lord saying, yeah, yeah you, unless you want to do this over and over and over. And they built that nest. I, and I let them do that. And then when I go out there to enjoy my porch, they look at me like, what are you doing in our space? You know what that is? It's like a stronghold in your life. That's God's, that's God's space. And he wants to enjoy that space. And then all of a sudden, the preacher comes in with the Bible, or someone get, you read your Bible, or, or the Holy Spirit of God comes in, and you're kind of like, what are you doing in my Hey, that's God's space. <laughs> See, how does it have deceiving power? Because you say things like this, it's no big deal. I can quit when I want to. I need this. This is my refuge. I, I can handle it. If they hadn't treated me like they did, I wouldn't have. I had no choice. I was raised like this. How about this one? It's just how I'm wired. If a person struggles with anger, here's how they'll... Here's how they'll justify their anger I don't get angry often but man when I do watch out it's like we're all supposed to be like oh good job hey, hey can, I, can I say volcano doesn't explode every day but it does a lot of damage when it does you know what that, that is? This is one example of a stronghold in your life. You know, you know it has deceiving power because you think to yourself, I, I, it's just, this is who I am. <laughs> who you are is not an excuse to sin. And who you are is not, listen, that's who you were. It's not who God wants you to be. And you determine whether you allow that stronghold to stay in your life and to continue to lie to you. It has drawing power. You know what it, that means? It draws you in. It makes you think this time will be different. 
This time I'll feel better. You ever given us something in your life that you know is a stronghold and you've resisted and resisted and then finally you say, you know what, I just need to do this this one time and I'll feel better and you do it and you feel guilt and you feel worse and you feel like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I give in? Is this making any sense to anybody besides me right now? All right, you know what that is? That's a stronghold and it's drawing you in. And you have to be discerning enough to call it what it is. You know, I, I've talked to some people. I've done prison ministry and taught people that are in jail. I actually have a friend that I knew from years ago that's in a federal penitentiary right now in Canyon City. And every once in a while we talk. And you know what's interesting about prison? Three meals a day. Um, you always know when to get up. You always know when to go to sleep. There's kind of a sense of security in that. But it's prison. Yes, there's security in it, but it's not the life that you were intended to live. Does that make sense? So there might be security in being drawn into that stronghold. It doesn't mean it's what God wants for you. We get these young people come back from camp. They go, you know what? I've been listening to this junk, and I go to it when I'm angry. I go to it when I'm upset, and I need to get it out of my life. And you know what's, what really aggravates me? Some adult will be like, oh, that's no big deal. Hey, if they're trying to get their life cleaned up, don't get in the way. Let them clean it up. Maybe help them out a little bit. Maybe don't, ju- you know why you justify it and go, it's not a big deal? Because you want to hold on to yours. And it's hurting them. It has destroying power. You say, how do you know that? The guy says, I'll seek it yet again. Now, I know some of you don't like, you know, you don't like self-help stuff. I get that. I get, I understand that. But some of that stuff, some of that stuff, some of it is biblical. Because if it's real wisdom, it's Bible. This guy said this, until a person can say deeply and honestly, I am what I am today because of the choices I made yesterday, that person cannot choose otherwise. And you know why the stronghold has the grip on you that it does? Because you have no idea. You continue to tell yourself, I don't know how I got here. I didn't do this. This was foisted on me. I had this happen in my life. This happened here, and I don't know. No, no, the reason you keep going back to that thing, the reason you keep going back to that bottle, the reason you keep going back to that thought process, the reason you keep going back to that person, that relationship, that God has already said, get out of here. I want to destroy this out of your life. The reason you keep going back is because you have crafted it. You have built it. You need to own it. You have no chance of fixing this if you don't own it. You know, I see, I see all the time, I, I heard a man, talk, not a saved person that I know of, I don't think this person's saved, he said, you know what's wrong with America? Parents are raising children they don't want to be around. They don't like them. I didn't say they don't love them, they don't like them. And then when the teacher doesn't like them, they're like, oh, that's my child. Dude, you don't even like them. That's why you pawn them off on everybody that you can. You know what? Because you don't let, you know why? Because you have raised him in a way that you'd have made something that you don't even like. And you know whose fault that is? That's not the child's fault. That's your fault. And then we go, society is against me. No, you are against you. And there's some battles you need to figure out. You need to fight them. Now, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to say, well, that's the end of the message. But you know what? That would just kind of be like, ah. It's kind of like, mm. you ever watched a movie? I, well, I, look, forgive me. I know some of you don't think I'm, I'm spiritual because I've watched movies. But Star Wars, remember the one where everybody dies in the end, whichever one that is? I was like, that's just the dumbest ending to any movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, or the Avengers where everybody dissipates and they're all dead. I'm like, what? That's just stupid. <laughs> I want my money back. 
So we're not going to end the message that way. Amen. But I, I do, amen. <laughs> look, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You say, what's the solution for strongholds? Well, quit being a victim. Quit acting like someone put it there and you have no idea how it got there. You need to identify it. When something is consuming your thoughts and your time and your life and you're constantly going back, listen, this can be any number of things, man. It could be, it could be you know what could be a stronghold in your life? You ever get those reports at the end of the week and you're like, there's no way. I spent five hours a day on my phone. And the phone's like, yes, you did, master. (laughs) Hey, when something's consuming your thoughts and your time and your life, when it becomes a place that you run to when you're in trouble, when it draws you back over and over and over and you're addicted to it, and you feel you have to bury it and hide it so nobody knows it's there, and it's bigger to you than God, and it's causing you to disobey what God wants for you to become, that's a good sign it's a stronghold in your life. You know, I would say this, for some it's a relationship, for some it's a friendship, others it might be drugs, it might be alcohol, it might be music, it might be envy, it might be bitterness, it might be anger, it might be self-righteousness, and can I throw this out there? I'm going to touch a holy grail this morning for you Baptists, and some of you ain't going to like me, and I know it, and I'm sorry. But do you know what some of it is for some of you? It's food. When you're angry, when you're upset. Can we all, can anybody, look, look, can we not act like, you know, this is the end of the world because I mentioned food here? Because can I just throw myself under the bus and tell you, there's been times when as a pastor at 11 o'clock at night after having some, you know, stuff delivered to my doorstep emotionally from folks, I am like, man, where's the ice cream? But can I, can I just say this? That can be a stronghold in your life. And you know what? If you don't drink and you don't do drugs, you're like, yeah, preacher, you get those people that are addicted to drugs. How about eating two bags of jalapeno chips at 11 o'clock at night? Because you're upset. And instead of praying through it, you eat your way through it. You say, what is that? It's a stronghold in your life. Anything that becomes bigger to you than God. Anything that says, this is my relief, this is where I go when I'm in trouble, instead of calling it, well, it's kind of, the, you know, it's not that big of a deal. The Bible says, sin that it might appear sin. Call it what it is. We live in a generation that talk, they, they all talk about how they want to just be open and transparent, and, and they are not. They call everything what it is not. You know what adultery, adultery was a nice way of saying you're fornicating. You know how we don't call it those things? You know what? Let me just say that. You know, the, the Bible word for a lot of what's going on today is called perversion and sodomy. And God is against it, and God is not for it. And listen, if you're a man, God made you a man. If you're a woman, God made you a woman. End of story. But, but you know why there's all this kind of, because uh, no one wants to call anything what it is. I watched an interview where someone is kind of berating this guy that's trying to figure out what is a woman. And everyone's, you know, giving him a hard time. And he says, look, I'm just interested in the truth. And they all just roll their eyes like that. <laughs> There's no truth. You know why they want to get rid of truth? So you can make it whatever you want it to be. You know what you do in your own life? You redefine things. You redefine them so that, can I just say this? Sorry, I, I don't want to be a current events guy. I really don't. 
But the term reproductive rights is the most misleading term. Because reproductive rights, by the context of what they're talking about, is the opposite of reproducing. You understand that, right? (laughs) You know what that is? That's redefining things. You know what you do in your own life? The same thing. I I don't want to call it sin. I don't want to call it a stronghold. I'll just call it, well, you know, you know, it's just, it's just, just my personality. My parents. Listen, you, you can't blame your parents for the rest of your life. You need to own it. You need to attack it. You need to submit it to the Lord. Look, if you would, at verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And watch this. I have this image in my mind. Now, you may think I'm an idiot. You may think I'm crazy. You may think I'm psycho. When I have a thought that comes into my mind that I don't want, I go, Lord, tie it up. And I take that thought. Now, you think this is crazy. That's okay. It works for me. And I go, Lord, I, I literally have in my mind this, this, this image of, of the Lord taking that thought and, and, and just doing what I, I've seen my kids, you know, tie each other up in chairs and like, ah, you know. <laughs> Kind of like that, but a little bit you know, more serious and more sober. And, and I say, Lord, I want you just to tie this thing up. I don't want it. It doesn't belong in my mind. I, I, I know where it came from. It came from my own heart, and I devised it, and I crafted it. I heard something. I thought about it, and I started building it. And God, I want you to take it. Lord, I want you to tie it up. Now it is yours. It is submitted to you. It is now under your obedience. It is not going to just run free. You're tying it up. So when that thought pops back in my head, I go, Lord, that is not of you. It is unclean. In the name of Jesus Christ, I don't want that there. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, finally, my brother, what sort of things are pure and just and lovely? God, it doesn't line up with that. It's gone. I don't want it. It's, gone. it's under your control now. You say, why do you do that? Because that's the Bible's instruction. Look what it says there in verse number five. Now, every, and bringing into captivity every what? Oh, it can't mean every thought. Well, I think it does. I think every thought means every thought. Bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. Those thoughts didn't get there on accident. I allowed them to float in there. And I dwelt on them. Then I built something out of it that God never intended me to build. And eventually it worked its way out of my life through habits. And those habits, in some cases, have become things that have kept me from getting close to the Lord. And you've got those. Can I ask you this, this afternoon, rather than just going, what time's lunch, let's go, stop and go, why do I keep finding myself like the children of Israel going round and round the mountain? And nothing's changing. Maybe, listen, and here's the problem. Let me tell you what a fundamentalist will do. A fundamentalist will always say, you need to get saved. Well, I've already been saved. Yeah, but it must not have taken so get saved again. And then the next time you have a meltdown, they're going to go, you need to get saved again. And again, and again. Let me just say that that's a terrible way to live the Christian life. Rather than doubting that you're saved, if you are genuine, you've called the Lord, you've asked Him to save you, you're a born-again child of God, quit doubting that. Don't make salvation the scapegoat. Start owning this and go, I did get saved, but I've held on this for so long in my life, and I'm not letting it go. And God, that is not your fault. You came to bring me freedom, but I'm holding on to it. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I want to submit it to you. And I want it to be under your obedience. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed.
Samson had a stronghold. David had a stronghold. Lot's wife had a stronghold. <laughs> Rebecca had a stronghold. You say, what was it? Control. She had to control the whole family with the whole Isaac thing. Jacob had a stronghold. You say, what was that lying to get whatever he wanted? Saul had a stronghold. You say, what was it? Self-image. Judas had a stronghold. What was it? Money, control, influence. Saul, before he was Paul, had a stronghold. It was religion. I don't know what yours is, but you are coming in a long line of people and characters in this book who had strongholds in their lives. And you know what? You choose whether you let God tear it down. And here's what I know about God. He will not tear it down without purposing to build something a whole lot better in its place. But you choose that. Father, I pray you bless the message that was given. God, would you move in hearts as I believe you already are. Lord, there has been opposition to this message. And Lord, there's some things you're trying to do here and the devil doesn't like it. God, we ask for the Holy Spirit of God to move. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that isn't saved, they get saved, Lord, for every believer that they might have confidence in who you've called them to be or they can tear these things down. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. If the Lord's dealt with you, this piano plays, you come. Christian, can I ask you, what are you, where do you go when you're in trouble? I can tell you this much, wherever you go when you're in trouble, it's gonna make it easier to go there again. So you know the best thing to do? Go to God. Don't go to that habit. Don't go to that thought. Don't go to that person. Don't go to that. Quit, quit building an image that becomes bigger than God himself. That makes it so convenient to run to that tower and that fortress over and over and over. And God wants you to overcome it. And you can. He's giving you the spiritual weaponry, the whole armor of God. You need to call things what they are, own them, and say, God, I submit that thought. I submit this habit to you. Lord, I'm sorry. It's no one else's fault. It's not my wife's fault. It's not my husband's fault. It's not my parents' fault. It's mine. And Lord, I know I'm saved, but I'm holding on to some things I don't need to hold on to anymore. And now they're holding on to me, and they got a grip on me. And Lord, it's choking the word of God out in my life. And God, I'm sorry. That'll help you. You know, for some of you, it might be what everybody else thinks. I could be a stronghold in your life. It doesn't need to be. Can I say this? You should not be comfortable in sin coming to a Bible-believing church. It should bother you. The difference, though, listen to me, the difference between conviction and guilt is guilt just makes you feel bad, and it's centered on you. You feel bad about you, right? Conviction is God going, there's a problem, and you can fix this, and I can help you. <laughs> They're different. I don't know the hearts and minds in this place, but Christian, let me just say this. God wants to be your tower. He wants to be your refuge. He, he doesn't want anything taking his place. Can I, can, I, can I put it out to you like this for you married people? You don't really appreciate some other person trying to step in and take your place with your spouse. Can I get a witness on that? Right? Especially you ladies. Can I get a witness, ladies? Amen. 
You know what? You know how God feels when you go somewhere else just like that. He wants to be your refuge. He wants to be your high tower. He wants to be your fortress. He wants to be your place of security. And everything else is a false security. I believe I'm primarily talking to saved people, but I'm going to throw this out there because I don't know the hearts and minds in this place. I don't. If you're here and you've never been born again, you go, well, preacher, it sounds to me like even after you get saved, you have trouble. Absolutely you do. But I can tell you this, the biggest problem in my life was I was going to hell without God and without hope, and Jesus stepped in. And my eternal, my biggest problem was an eternal one. That's been solved. <laughs> now I've got to work in some other areas of my life, but I at least have the ability to do so with the Holy Spirit's help. If you're here and you've never been born again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, can I just... Would you be honest enough to raise your hand and go, I'm not saved, I'd like to be saved. I, I don't know what it means. To, I've never been born again. I'm not sure if I'm saved. If that's you, would you be honest enough to slip up? I'm not going to point you out or drag you down here, but I, man, I'd like to pray for you. I'd hate for you to leave this place without the hope of the gospel. You know why we go out to the fair and look like idiots? Because <laughs> we believe it. And it's changed our lives. And while we haven't figured everything out yet, God knows, we've gotten a lot of things figured out with his help since we got saved. It's changed us like nothing else could. If you've never been saved, we'd love to open a Bible and show you how to be saved. No, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want anyone to know I'm a sinner. Um, 100% of this building's filled with sinners. You're either a saved one or a lost one. But if you've never been saved, can I invite you to maybe... Maybe see me after church. See someone that can open up a Bible and tell you how to be saved. You believers, can I just tell you this? You should walk out of here kind of more free, going, you know what? That doesn't have to be there anymore. I, I, I can deal with this. I can address this. And with God's help, I can overcome. Like David did, I can go in there and call this. You know what? This is no longer a stronghold in my life. God, this is now yours. This is now your city. This is now your tower. God, you do with it what you want. Lord, uh, this is your... Man, you can walk out of here with a very different sense of having victory in your life. But you need to submit it to God. You know what won't do you any good? Go, yeah, I've got this problem. Yeah, i got this problem. Oh, terrible problem. I'm just dealing with this problem. It's awful, awful, awful. God, I'm guilty. And that's where you stop. That's not where you... That's not, you don't get any victory in that. That's the starting point. How you get victories go, God... I'm now submitting this thought to you. I am now going to make this obedient to you. And Lord, when that thought comes in my mind, you've got to have this. I go, Lord, that wasn't you. I know it because the Bible says it wasn't you. That's not your voice. Your sheep hear your voice, and I'm hearing a different voice, and that's not you. And God, it's not the voice of truth. I'm going to submit that to you, and I'm sorry for even allowing that to flow in there. Boy, you do that enough, you may find yourself going, man, it's been a long time since I've done that. I don't even need that anymore. Hallelujah. That's it. I am going to a city where roses never fade. Amen. Glad you came today. Hope you got something from the Word of God. Pray that you leave refreshed. I mean that and uh, encouraged to go out, right back out. Listen, there's a sign over the door, and it says you are now entering the mission field. And uh, that's where you're going.
My job is to prepare you to go out there. And you know what? You will be better prepared to minister the gospel to others if you're taking care of the strongholds in your life. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Hope to see you here Wednesday night for Bible study. All right, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we will be picking it back up uh, on the fruit of the Spirit, talking about faith. Boy, that's a loaded subject. That may take a couple of weeks just to get through faith, uh, but we're going to delve into that. We hope you make it Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. And uh, please, if you would, I'm going to throw it out one more time. Please pray for Bella and that whole situation with this uh, trip. Uh, I believe that if the Lord, I know this, if God wants her to go, he's going to work this thing out in the morning. So you just pray for the Lord's will. Yes, ma'am. Tess is at five? It's at five today? Okay, so pray for that today. The test is at five. Mom knows what's going on. I have no idea. All right? I'm glad one of us does. Thank you. All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Tracy, it's good to see you again, brother. Glad to see you float through. If you would dismiss us in a word of prayer, sir.